This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, welcome to the uh, Arty Farty Show with Andy Cook and Ron Esplin. And uh, we have been uh, following over a period of time, I've really enjoyed this, um, the album covers of The Beatles. And uh, that is uh, going to probably end today, I would think. Of course, uh, uh, the precedent has been that we thought they were going to end on the first day, and this is now the fourth show. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't realise they had so many albums. <laughs> no, that's but right. it, it, it is really interesting that just to look at that and to look at anything around you. If you sit in your room at home and look at anything you've got in your room, it's been designed. It didn't just pop up. Yeah. Someone's actually thought about it, drawn it, whether it's the shape of your TV, the shape of your the pattern on the carpet or whatever. And the album covers, which are artwork, you, you don't look at them, you take them for granted. You just grab them, uh, get the music out. But this has been a good opportunity to remind people that, you know, everything that you see in your life has actually been designed. That's very deep. It is very deep. Yeah, and uh, it, it's almost frighteningly deep. It, it, it could actually make you go and walk into the corner and sit down and stick your head under your arms and go, ow! <laughs> and, and actually think somebody designed that as well. But that's another conversation <laughs> for another day. Uh, in case you didn't know, this is the Arty Farty Show at, at uh, Targo Access Radio uh, on uh, 104.5 FM. And uh, 1575 AM, just to remind you that um, you can even uh, tune into this show and Otago Access Radio uh, on both AM and FM. And you can pick up the podcasts as well. All these uh, broadcasts are um, available on podcast. So all you do is you look up in your computer um, the uh, Otago Access Radio website and it, it uh, actually is a little box there that points you to the uh, podcasts. You know, click on that. All the shows are in alphabetical order, and uh, we, of course, are up there in the A's. Of course, that's that's why we call it the Arty Farty. Yes, hour. And, I'm, and I must say, on that note, um, I did get a message from my friend in Vancouver who uh, has been listening to, to old podcasts. Oh, well, how about that? Well, um, that's uh, that's uh, we're, we're covering the world here uh, from uh, the Arty Farty Show in the heart of Dunedin, and uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, we I hope you're having as much fun as we have. Uh, we are now going to just uh, talk talk a bit more locally. Uh, so pardon me, all our uh, overseas international fans. Uh, just for the moment, we'll be talking about what's going on in Dunedin. And uh, we usually start off actually with uh, Andy's wonderful store in uh, Hanover Street. And uh, a newsletter went out uh, just the other day. It did? Yeah, and uh, you were featuring some interesting news. It was about the framing, was it? Or uh, Well, framing is – I've got to say, framing is a bit tricky at the moment. Oh. In, in Before the COVID uh, crisis, you would just pick up the phone and say to the company, send me down whatever. And now it's really, really difficult. We're actually quite limited on the materials we can get. So what I've done is I've – I've stocked a lot of materials because, you know, some of these things are taking months and months. So I've bought a load of, you know, quite basic stuff, some basic woods and blacks and whites and some silvers and gold, this sort of thing. So when people say, look, I really need this tomorrow, I say, well, if you take what I've got here, then you can actually have it. But um, I've never known it like this. I was 
supply i know raw materials have a problem there's a company in christchurch that actually makes the molding where everyone else just buys it in from america usually and they make their own molding they've got their own factory but even they're struggling with the raw raw materials so this is a very unusual time and uh, i must say our art materials don't seem to have a problem whatever we want whatever paint or brushes or easels canvases whatever Whatever we want uh, seems to turn up as usual, which is really, really good. And we are featuring a new product at the moment called Jacquard Pigments. And these are absolutely beautiful. They're little pottles of uh, metallic pigment. And you can mix anything with them at all. You can mix gum arabic with them to make uh, watercolor. You could do a metallic watercolor painting or just zhuzh up uh, a watercolor with a little bit of a little bit of sparkle. You can mix water with it, turn it in, into calligraphy ink, so, or you can just brush it on as as dust. So it's really and there's there's kind of there's almost unlimited colours. They're all metallic and they really make whatever you're doing pop. It's not it's not like glitter. It's not like childish sparkles. This is very very subtle pigment. And uh, yeah, so that's called jacquard uh, pig uh, jacquard metallic pigment and we've got an awful lot of them now, now having said that um can that be used with any uh you know with it's mainly acrylics or no it, anything because it's 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 not anything it's dust oh okay. and so you can you it's dust you can put it in with your oil paint because it's there's nothing in it there's no vehicle for it to react so what it will do for acrylic it will do the same for oil watercolor um, you can just use it by itself, mix it up, or you can just dust it on. So, because when you're mixing oil and acrylic, that's a, that's two vehicles that don't like each other; they repel each other. Water and oil don't mix. But because this is just dust, you can use. You can even mix it in with glue, and and have a glue painting. So it's whatever medium you're using, this stuff can be mixed in with it. That's amazing, and it's really, really. And you might be interested with some of your paintings because you, you know, you mix up your color, sprinkle a little bit of this in, and mix it, and and it just gives it a little punch. We've got some examples at work, before and after, with and without, and it's not, it's not like a big glittery, shiny thing. It's just, just got a, just a little bit more pearlescent, even not really even metallic, just a little bit more per lesson it's very difficult to describe you've got to see it to right. see it to believe it so uh, if you want to come in and take a look that's what anyone out do. there come in and uh, we'll give you the tour but it's a brand new uh, product we've never had it before i've never seen anything like it before and uh, it's here so it's called uh, jacquard metallic pigment right very right. exciting write that down folks and um the you people that are within the uh, the area that uh, is serviced by art zone in hanover street which, of course, means uh, the, the whole of the world in general. Uh, Potentially, but, uh, I but, suppose it is. But all of you people who can walk into the shop, perhaps we should say, why don't you go down and have a look in, at this interesting new development? And uh, you may well, well, we'll all have to have a go at it, won't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's good fun because it, it takes something very flat and predictable, as you know your mm. paints are, and it just gives it this little kick. And you kind of shake your head around and, and it shimmers and shines and that is very oh, very good that's very amazing good, good fun I, right okay what a great oh, what a great opening to our show to have a new product like that and uh, what else have we got going at uh, at um, art zone uh at the moment we've got a a canvas special we've got 25 percent off normal canvases and 15 percent off um the the professional museum quality 
Canva. So that's a, that's a good idea. It's a good chance to get away from Canvas boards and have a look at Stretch Canvas. There's a, there's a big difference. Have you ever heard of the uh, expression answering back? Your Canvas answers back. Really? Um, when I you haven't. when you do it on a board, it's it's uh, it's a very rigid, flat surface, which is fine. When you've got a stretch canvas, it's like a drum. It's like a canvas stretched over a frame, and it, you you paint it, and it has a little bounce, mm-hmm. a little bounce, and it's called answering back, wow. and it just feels nice. So there's, there's no advantage to it. There's no. It doesn't make a better painting. It just feels nice painting on something that's kind of soft and flexible. Yeah, resilient. Uh, and, yeah. and they and they are uh, they are a bit more expensive. Well, a lot more expensive than the the Fredericks canvas boards. But having a special on them gives you just gives you a chance to try yeah, it. Yeah, that's great. Try it for the first time. A lot of people that have done it, um, they don't go back to boards. They they oh. they stick with the with yeah. the drum. I call them the drum because it's it's like a skin stretched over right. over a frame. So, yes, that's our special uh, for the rest of the month. Are they a standard size or no? Nope. No, anything and and uh, they they do come in various standard sizes. But I can make anything you want because a lot of people have got a frame that that it has to fit into, or there's something that they bought twenty years ago and they it's got to match. So as long as I get a, a correct size, I can make. Yeah, any any size you want. Well, that's the benefit of going to a place that also does framing. That that's uh, you know that you cover both, so you're able to uh, talk uh, with knowledge and experience of um, having to actually make the, the the frames. What what about these? A lot of people are doing oval and round frames. Is that a bit of a sticky? Uh, situation i don't i tried to do that once i don't know how they do it because mm. you get puckers you know your your canvas oh, yeah. and and for one thing um i don't know where to get the ovals from it's a it's a pain you can't frame them because unless you've got a oval frame you, you can't you know when you're cutting a square frame you cut four bits of wood and stick yeah, it together right, yeah. it's not not the same with mm. with uh, so i'm not a big fan of that I, there's a lot of portraits done in ovals but mm-hmm. it's not a thing uh, that I've ever had any success in doing is stretching a canvas over an oval frame. And I don't know how that – I think maybe they steam it or they heat it so it kind of stretches round. But when you've got flat canvas, especially if it's thick, you can imagine as you're bending it around, mm. you get creases and puckers and that. So it is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it is to be avoided like the plague. Sure, but the, the, the easy and simple answer to that is to uh, paint a painting on a, on a, a square – or rectangular canvas, and then uh, have a, an oval mat board. Uh, well, you could do that. You mm. could do it. And the other thing is, uh, the, this is what uh, somebody told me, they go to the joiner, and, uh, of course, the joiners can cut anything. And it's usually MDF, which is not ideal, but it, it is what it is. So if you if you really wanted to uh, uh, paint on a circle or an oval, go to a joiner and ask them to cut it out ovals are different to circles because circles are even if you said uh, you know an oval can be a, a, a round oval or a very elongated oval so you ha- actually have to give them a left to right and up and down so you might say well i want it 600 wide and a meter tall and that's the shape of the oval but um yeah i mean if you wanted to do it it's fine i don't i, I don't I'm, I'm a square i'm a corner man i'm a corner man <laughs> being a, a picture frame i'm a square i'm an absolute square uh, look that's really uh, how interesting thank you very much andy so that's uh, the exciting life of uh, Art Zone in uh, Hanover Street, and um, yeah, you're always uh, it's, uh, not only do you learn, you get entertained, 
and uh, Rocky, of course, will uh, uh, greet you. Rocky, uh, Rocky's there. Yes, he's mm-hmm. uh, he sleeps on the counter. Everyone knows Rocky now. He's uh, he's our little uh, Bijan uh, Shih Tzu poodle, and he's uh, sixteen months, and he lives on the counter, and he will greet you. Uh, as you come in the in the shop, so he's a very friendly little chap. He's a very friendly, and he's a bit of a celeb now. You walk around the streets, and I've, uh, you know, I take him around the hospital, like a couple of laps around the hospital every day, and people say, "Rocky, Rocky." They don't know they don't know who I am, <laughs> but they know they know who Rocky is, which is bizarre. I've been there, I've been there a lot longer than he has, but there you go. He's cuter than yeah, me. Yeah, that star quality. That star quality. Yeah. Now, the Otago Art Society, of course, we did talk about the Meow exhibition last time, uh, but I think it's pretty useful to know all you people who are interested in getting to uh, um, getting into the Art Society yourselves, uh, where do you begin? What's your first step? And uh, uh, the easy thing, of course, is to call into the art station down at the uh, station itself, uh, Dunedin Station, and uh, the railway station, that is not the radio station, Dunedin uh, Railway Station. And uh, in the um, Art Society uh, gallery there, uh, the people in the shop are very happy to tell you how to become a member and so on. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, you can actually go to uh, the members' meetings. Uh, there's nothing stopping you going to get a bit of a taste of what happens. Uh, and uh, they're held regularly on the third Thursday of every month at seven o'clock and there's a variety of interesting uh, presentations uh, and I think I'm not I don't know I don't know when the, what, who the next one is but the sort of thing you'll get are, are actually uh, artists talking about their work uh, and very often Doug Hart the president will get up and talk about um, he, he's a very he's very interested in art history and uh, you know the uh, famous artists and he'll uh, often give a talk about a particular artist uh, which is always revealing uh, educational and interesting Uh, so uh, remember uh, the third Thursday of every month at seven o'clock you can just pop in and be and you're very very welcome to go along and uh, enjoy the company of the fellow artists and uh, if you if you like what you hear, you can uh, join up, uh, and uh, you don't have to be a practicing artist. If you're just interested in art, that's just as good. Uh, and if you're interested in getting into doing your own art, that too is catered for. You can uh, uh, they have actually critique sessions uh, uh, between six o'clock and seven o'clock before the uh, the uh, the regular meeting. Uh, and you, if uh, if you feel you don't have to feel brave because they're very uh, understanding and you can take your work in and uh, someone who was um, uh, practiced or a practicing artist will give you a critique gently of course gen- a gentle critique which is what you want it's it's good feedback they're not they're not going to hammer you there but it is it is nice to say you know you you might be off in the wrong direction here or a point in the right direction maybe of a class that's happening or a tutorial that uh, and th- that's what you go for you don't want to go there so everyone can tell you how wonderful you are although no. that happens to me all the time well me too yeah yeah it's a, it's 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 and so it's boring it's boring <laughs> <laughs> yes i know i know <laughs> um, uh, now i think um uh, we get so excited. I don't know why these. This is so much fun with Andy. He's got, he's got a 
He's got a mine of information that he can share with us. Um, one interesting thing, oh, I should mention about the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, of course, and uh, they are doing some uh, interesting things. They have a, um, uh, a thing by or Scott Eady. Uh, apparently, uh, he was, um, when he, he went into lockdown, and soon after uh, lockdown, as, as we all did, in uh, uh, 2020, Scott Eady went and bought a box brownie camera from a local second-hand shop. And uh, as part of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery's Otipoti Dunedin Artist Residency, he took the opportunity to experiment with this technology, intentionally not cleaning the lens of this old and well-used camera. Uh, and the outcome of his experimentation is called the Bathgate Series, and it's a group of 12 photographs that trace Edie's Saturday morning walks to Bathgate Park School. And uh, Edie also worked with a group of students from Bathgate Park School, introducing the magic of box brownie photography to a new generation and providing the opportunity for them to create 12 of their own photographs. And these photographs are in installation um, currently on display at Dunedin Public Art Gallery. So that's well worth having a look at. Something a bit different, as, is, as of course, uh, they, um, uh, they often do. Uh, uh, also, a recent acquisition is called What Was or Could Be Today Again. Uh, they love to have uh, titles that, are, uh, uh, that you've got to puzzle over a little bit. And uh, the, uh, the debut of this most recent acquisition uh, was uh, recently, and you can go and see it's a video installation that focuses on endurance athlete Nyarama Milner Olsen as she swims across Aotearoa's largest body of water, which of course is Lake Taupo or uh, Taupo Nui Atea. And uh, he, he's weaved together the multiple viewpoints, and, and it's accompanied by the lyrics of a Waiata composed by Te Ao and Kurt Kulmini. And uh, it's performed uh, by Afini Kawai Wanakao. Uh, and this uh, work creates an immersive and <coughs> contemplative experience in the BNZ Gallery on the ground floor in, uh, in uh, the art gallery at the moment. So that's worth having a look at. Uh, and um, let's, um, uh, we'll, we'll finish off this section uh, before listening to a, a bit of music to introduce uh, again our Beatles covers. Uh, meaning the co the cover album uh, uh, the, or the covers of the albums uh, that we're now uh, approaching uh, the Yellow Submarine album. That's the one we'll do after this. And the, and the song that we're going to play before that is from the Yellow Submarine album. Uh, but an interesting thing we noticed in World News was that on set, uh, the, um, in May, a Picasso painting sold for over a million at auction. Now, how's that uh, for... Uh, I don't think that's a million. I think it's a little bit more than a million. Oh, a hundred million. A hundred oh, million. Oh, give or take a few million. <laughs> give or take. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're given 99% discount, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is, that's uh, absolutely, absolutely absurd. An oil painting by Pablo Picasso sold for actually $103 million, which is 142 New Zealand million dollars at a Christie's auction in New York, smashing its pre-sale estimate of 55 million. So it sold for double what they actually thought it would. Yes. The portrait of uh, Picasso's French lover Marie Theresa 
Uh, I'm, oh, it's got a long name. I'm not going to do it in French. Uh, well, it's French, but woman sitting near a window led the oh, yeah. 20th century evening sale on Thursday. Keith Gill, head of the Impressionist and Modern Art Department at Christie's London, said that the work may be familiar to art lovers from its appearance at the landmark Picasso 1932 exhibition at the Tate Modern in, two, in uh, 2018. He said it's an incredibly iconic image. It hasn't been seen up for auction since 2013, and the appreciation of Marie Therese's portraits, particularly from the uh, from 1932, has very much grown since that time. And this will be a standout uh, price for the artist, said Gill. After an intense bidding war, the Picasso was snapped up by a bidder in California. Christie's said Thursday's auction was streamed live from the Rockefeller Center, marked the uh, fifth work by the Spanish painter to have sold for more than $100 million. And, of course, when you go to... and it's, <laughs> There's a picture of it here. I don't know. I'm just, a, I'm just an old pleb. It's horrible. It's just, it's, just not, it's just not good enough, is it? It's very, very basic, very naive and childish. And, you know, when, when you think of what $100 million could do, you know, you could solve an awful lot of the world's problems with $100 million. But, you know, you've got a, you've got a picture. And, of course, you'd like, to be, um, you'd like to be the auction house because these guys take a percentage. So the percentage that they would have taken from $103 million, you'd probably retire on. You know, they. You know, if you took five percent, there's five mil, and you'd retire on five mil, wouldn't you? Well, you know, probably. <laughs> I could, I could, I could rough it. So yes, that is uh, Marie Therese by Pablo Picasso, and uh, and that's from uh, uh, it's 103 million dollars American, incredible. And uh, just to help you along there, it's from a sea spray d'une fenêtre. Oh, he's is, gone a Welsh on which me now. Which is a uh, woman, fam, a cease, sitting, pray near d'une fenêtre, a window. And it is, they say it's an incredibly iconic in, image. <coughs> and it hasn't been seen up at auction since 2013. I, so wonder, if, I wonder what it sold for in 2013. How much is this? Because they estimated $55 million. Right. Okay. So they must have based they must have based fifty five million on what it sold for in two thousand and thirteen. And of course, that's an investment. If that's how I would probably buy that. If you if you think flog it off in five years' time, you may get another twenty percent. That's, that's, that's right. good business. And live like a pauper for the uh, interim period. Well, I mean, you'd you'd have to have that that sort of money would be you, back pocket change for the person that I suppose. Bought it. I mean, these, these are billionaires. Well, that's right. So the, yeah. there's you you would the person that bought that wouldn't say, well, I'm mortgaged up to the hilt now. I've got nothing left except this painting. That would probably just go on his wall. It'd be nothing. Be interesting to to actually know who. Who bought well, it? They don't say. They usually don't tell you, but it was an online bidder in California. In California, uh, yeah, and uh, they don't like to reveal who's got it because uh, you, you go get rid a, of Nick. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, Bob Smith. He lives at twenty-seven <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hills Drive. Uh, uh, before you uh, get into your uh, night gear with your mask and stuff, 
It's already been stolen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's already nicked it. It's too, it's too late. That's funny. Imagine if they did that. But, you know, you would look at some of these houses and you'd say, well, whoever lives is a multi-billion. There must be something in there worth nicking. Surely you've got snipers walking around the roof. <laughs> anyway, that, uh, that was uh, the, f- the fifth work by the Spanish painter to have sold for more than $100 million. And Picasso is now spinning in his grave because I think the last one he sold, he got about 15 quid for. <laughs> no, but he did all right. He, he's not one of these poor artists that suffered. He did very well. He enjoyed the money with his career, didn't he? He did. He didn't come right, like, like Van Gogh. He only came right after mm. he died. Yeah. But P- P- Picasso was... Fame, rich and famous while he was painting. He was, he? yeah, yeah. So, so lucky old Picasso. I wonder how did he have a family? Like, has he got grandkids, great grandkids? Because I wonder if they would get part of these sales. I'm not not quite sure what the rules are because they were going to change the rules to say, which I don't, I never agreed with. Every time it sells and it sells for big money, the oh, artist yeah. gets a bit. And my mm. argument was, if I bought your car. Mm. That is a hundred percent my car now. It's mm. not mm. you. You relinquish any ownership, and if I sell your car for ten times the price, you don't get any. No, Th- no. that was my argument. And, and there's a there's a there's kind of split down the middle to say, well, these things like hoteries, you know, they go on and on, and they get more and more and more. And he's not actually getting rich out of it. Somebody else is because it's been built up and and um, advertised and plugged and this sort of thing. As a buyer, though, you can uh, benefit from the appreciation of those paintings. I mean, the uh, the money appreciation, if you know what I mean. You mean buyer or painter? The buyer. Well, that's right. The the yeah. buyer and seller. Whoever when mm. it, when you buy it off an artist, mm. whoever buys and sells it in its future, that's mm. their business, and the artist has absolutely nothing yeah. to, to more to gain out of it. Which you'd be kicking yourself because you think, well, it's you know, in in, in Picasso's case, if that was still in his family. Um, they would get that money. Correct. But, but they would, maybe the great grandkids would be looking at that thinking, hang on, uh, we should have kept, granddad should have kept that. <laughs> well, there's something in that, but uh, at the same time, you can still, uh, as a, uh, a descendant of an artist, you can still benefit uh, because the, uh, the artwork, uh, the, uh, the rights to that artwork remains the property, well, it is the property of the artist. So when you do a painting, you retain uh, the rights to that work. Uh, and the, 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 how would you describe the rights? Because it's only one, it's only one work. You either own it or you don't. Uh, no, you don't own the work anymore, but you own the rights to reproductions. Oh, I see. So if, um, for instance, someone wants to use my dad's uh, artwork in, on the cover of a book or something like that, they have to say... They have to actually contact our family, and now I'm the eldest, and uh, I would be uh, responsible for uh, that artwork. And uh, we, it would be, a, 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 if you wanted to sell the rights to it, or you could, uh, you, you could just say, well, uh, it's five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for you to use it in the, on the cover of a book, and you still retain the. Right. right to the oh, that, that's interesting because that happened to me, unbeknownst to me. I did a picture of a particular building, which will remain nameless, mm-hmm. for a person. One off, one commission, done. Now I, I know that the 
pamphlets, the advertising, everything to do with that building has got my image on it. Yes, right. And uh, and nobody asked, nobody. And th- th- I did this twenty years ago. Yes. But if you go to that building now, any any advertising matter, all the pamphlets, anything to do with it has got the image that I did. But it, I didn't do it for the building. I did it for the man that asked me. Right. He wanted a picture of that building. Well, you have to actually um, uh, relinquish the rights uh, to that, uh, in, and that's a separate issue. But but th- that subject never came up. He just said, "Will you draw me a picture of the building?" Which I did, and mm. it was, and he bought it, and it was done. There was no conversation about future rights or reproductions. No, that's right. Well, you, in fact, you you still own the rights to the oh. to, to reproduction. Uh, however, uh, you probably would have to uh, actually say that. You'd have to say, I, I actually tell everybody that buys a painting from me, uh, listen to this other artists out there in the ether, uh, I say to them, I retain the, right, the, rep- the rights to reproduce this work. Mm. And, and that is actually told to them specifically. Yeah. Uh, because I use them in my books and and uh, everything, and, uh, and and that's fair enough as well. If I bought one of your paintings and I reproduced it, and then I go and uh, sell these things ten dollars a time, mm. um, that that's not part of the deal, is it? That is the part of the deal is I buy your picture for a, a agreed amount of money, and that's where the business ends. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's like it's like photographing a hundred dollar note and going on a spending well, spree. Yeah, it? you're right. Oh, I like that. I've, I've tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think we'll play a bit of music uh, from the Yellow Submarine album, uh, which is the next one that's uh, of some interest to us. And uh, here we go. Uh, you'll you'll remember you'll remember this one. I'd like to be under the sea. Octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. The coral that lies 
beneath the waves Oh what joy for every girl and boy Knowing they're happy and they're safe We would be so happy you and me No one there to tell us what to do Well, there you are, folks. Actually, that was uh, the uh, the version of uh, Octopus's Garden that uh, featured in the Beatles album Love, uh, which was um, uh, the, done by the... Oh, what's that French outfit that does... Um, uh, uh, they do kind of stage shows... Uh, and it's all quite sort of uh, uh, athletics and Cirque du Soleil. Uh, yeah, Cirque du Soleil. Thank <coughs> you so much. I'm glad you came. <laughs> I couldn't have done without you. Did they use that song in their in their stage show? The, yeah, the stage show was actually called Love. It was, oh. it was in honour of the Beatles. And so uh, these are um, the the songs that they did at that time are covers uh, done by uh, pretty uh, competent. Uh, uh, performers, and uh, that was not the Beatles that you heard, but nonetheless, that was the song Octopussy's Garden. And uh, the album, uh, which was Yellow Submarine, of course, and you all know the song uh, We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. Well, that was um, uh, features on the cover and has uh, cartoon uh, figures, uh, again by our inimitable uh, uh, gentleman who uh, did all of the. Uh, uh, the uh, album covers uh, but the cartoon figures this is uh, during the time uh, when they, in fact the, the Yellow Submarine uh, the uh, videos that they did were all in cartoon form and there's a cartoon film uh, uh, made about Yellow Submarine Oh, how bizarre. So where did that come from? Because it's a very unusual subject for a song or a subject... At all? Well, I think they were fishing around. Uh, it was a psychedelic age. Yeah. And it was this idea, uh, the submarine itself was sort of a, almost like, you know, they, they did the, magic, the magical mystery tour. Yeah. Well, this is sort of an extension of that, uh, where uh, the submarine, you're virtually taking an undersea journey. Yeah. I uh, wonder if they, you know, if they smoked a bit of stuff they shouldn't be smoking and they had a dream about that. Because that was Ringo, wasn't it? Was that Ringo? That was Ringo that sang that particular yeah. Octopus's Garden. Yeah. Yes, you're quite right. And, uh, and of course, he did the, the Yellow Submarine song. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he started starting to emerge. He was uh, in the background for a long, long time. Uh, and uh, this is uh, him, his emerging uh, from a, um, a virtual, un, just an, a, a, a little quiet sort of drummer in the background. He, he'd appeared in the films in the Help uh, film, and he'd appeared in uh, the other film, uh, Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, I think I've got this out slightly out of order because uh, Magical Mystery Tour uh, was um, 
the um, did we talk about the magical mystery tour? I think we did. Yes, because yeah. I remember the the crazy outfits. They're all dressed up as strange, furry little creatures. Yes, that's right. And the walrus, of course, you've heard. I am the walrus. Uh, I think we mentioned that that on the cover of uh, the magical mystery tour. Uh, the, uh, the the one dressed as the walrus was Paul, and that features in the song. They say the, the walrus was Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it, that's uh, been a puzzle for you now. The it's puzzle all, is solved. It's all strange, isn't it? Because all of these things seem like really personal, almost in-jokes that, we, that become um, like popular culture. Paul is a walrus. What's that got to do with it? It must have been something they would do. The yellow submarine. It's like it's like a really personal sort of in joke that you're not supposed to understand. It, 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 and then you, they say, "Well, you've got to sing along with this now. You've got to go along with it." And nobody really questions. Like, what are we? <laughs> what's it all about? They just uh, take it as well. That, that's what they're doing. Well, just to uh, to expand on that, the the actual titles uh, of the songs that were on Yellow Submarine. <clears throat> which uh, features the uh, Beatles all standing on top of a hill uh, and this uh, yellow submarine is mysteriously kind of... Um, I don't know what it's it's on the hill, but obviously they're, they're saying we all live in a yellow submarine uh, and uh, that's the, one of the songs in it. Only a northern song, all together now. Hey, bulldog, it's all too much and all you need is love. This is the first time that all you need is love uh, uh, featured on an album, uh, Pepperland. It was a sort of fantasy, cartoon kind of uh, land that they had started to uh, f- form their songs around. The Sea of Time, the Sea of Holies, the Sea of Monsters. So you know, one, one uh, beetle fed the other one with another idea, and uh, then the song would uh, emerge out of it. And the March of the Meanies, <laughs> uh, Pepperland laid waste. And of course, Yellow Submarine, uh, the, the the well-known song. I haven't. I have not heard of most of those. I've heard of uh, uh, All You Need Is Love of you. Pepperland and Sea of Time. I've never heard of them. Uh, I think you can. I'm pretty sure you can get the film and uh, and see. I don't know where you'd be able to get that. Whether there be DVDs or whatever these days, uh, but certainly uh, it might be uh, worth. Dredging the, dredging the, the dredging the YouTube. YouTube. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Because so, on YouTube, there's a lot of things that, that there's maybe ten things. You put them all together, and you get a film. Yes. You know, they only they only do maybe fifteen minutes at a time. But if you link them all together, You've, if someone puts one on, you got the whole thing. <laughs> it might be a bit jumbled up. Oh, but, I love it. <laughs> but you can you can actually get it. <laughs> That's well. Look, uh, let's um, let's listen to all you need is love. It's such an important uh, song, I think, and. Uh, I have the technology, folks, just like that. And here we go. All you need is love. You, you actually, there was a um, a live version of it uh, when it was released, and uh, all sorts of luminaries were in there. If you can get you can get hold of that uh, film when mm-hmm. they first uh, recorded it, and uh, you just look around the room. There's all sorts of people. Andy Warhol and God knows what. Did uh, they perform in front of a live audience? Uh, no, though it was it it was recorded. Almost uh, in camera with a whole bunch of people in the recording studio. Oh, right. Studio. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, it was uh, absolutely live. This, however, is uh, the, the version that uh, comes off the Love Album. And I just ask you to enjoy. Enjoy. 
done Nothing you can say But you can learn how to play the game It's easy Nothing you can make That can't be made No one you can save That can't be saved Nothing you can do But you can learn how to be you in time off the Love album uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, I, I wouldn't mind going to see that uh, that show uh, so anyway that's uh, Magical uh, um, sorry the Yellow Submarine album and the next one is <coughs> iconic it was Abbey Road and Abbey Road came out oh uh, what year was Abbey Road it was 1969 my goodness me I was there in uh, in London in 1969, and I remember when that album came out. There was a bit of uh, interesting, I think, juxtaposition. Let It Be and Abbey Road kind of got mixed up, and uh, I'm not sure which one came last. Uh, they might have made Let It Be before Abbey Road oh. was uh, yeah. 
But anyway, uh, Abby Cons- re- considering they they were only around for what four years? Yeah, that's right. How many albums did they churn out in four years? Well, they kept they kept on ch- churning out uh, compilations. Uh, yeah. They, after that, you see, they didn't. Well, they they had the rights to them, of course. But I'm but I'm looking at uh, t- uh, twenty album covers on your sheet there. Twenty mm-hmm. twenty albums in four years. That's Huge. Well, it is, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. They were a phenomenon, a phenomenon. And um, the uh, Abbey Road is probably one of the most widely uh, uh, known albums because, of course, here are the four Beatles marching across uh, the outside the Apple Studios, uh, the uh, pedestrian crossing in Abbey Road. And uh, I think I went in <coughs> 2018. And got the underground, and then walked across that crossing just because I'd seen it so often. I had to do it. Um, Andy, you got a bit of information about it. Well, it was one of the most famous photographs uh, of all time, and it was shot in August 1969. So here's a brief story about the Abbey, Abbey Road album cover. It was the final uh, album for the Beatles recorded and uh, it was issued on Friday, the 26th of September, 1969, with a, a genuinely iconic photo. So it pictures four men, uh, George, Paul, uh, Ringo and John, striding across the Zebra Crossing, situated on Abbey Road, just outside the EMI Studios in London, where the band had spent a majority of their groundbreaking recording career. The, the uh, LP and its memorable cover put the location on the map previously known as uh, plain old emi studios the building became as abbey road studios in light of the landmark album millions of people had made the pilgrimage to the crossing uh, to have their photo taken and to pay their respects to the uh, the genius of the fab four and dozens of artists who um, who parodied the sleeve from the simpsons even to the red hot chili peppers and it was um, it was all shot in a few hurried minutes on uh, August 1969, on that day, John and Ringo were working on uh, I Want You and The End uh, inside the studio while uh, Macca worked on Oh Darling. But uh, before they set to business, they stepped outside of uh, number three Abbey Road to be photographed for the cover. And uh, and uh, before the... Uh, hang on a minute. I've just lost my little train of thought here. Um here are a few facts about the summer day in 1969. Before the Beatles came along, Abbey Road's main claim to fame was being this, a stone's throw from uh, Lord's Cricket Ground. The crossing was situated at uh, the southern part of Abbey Road, at the junction of Grove Street and St John's Wood. And uh, as the sessions for the album came to an end, the four Beatles discussed the title of the record. One uh, decided to call it Everest... Uh, after the cigarette that engineer Jeff Emmerich smoked. No, no, don't name it after the album. Just name it after the... Um, for the only time in their career, the Beatles presented the world with an album cover that didn't feature their name or, on, or the title of the LP. The designer, John Kosh, uh, claimed that EMI boss, bosses were furious and argued the biggest band in the world and you don't even have to say who they are. So there was a little bit of... Of arrogance there, but to be honest, you're not going to look at it and say, Well, who's this? Then? No, who's no, this? that's exactly so. Right. That's the uh, that's the Abbey Road album. There was something I'm just trying to find it here. There was something uh, about the way that they were dressed. There's um, 
There's actually two versions of that cover. There's one with Paul McCartney holding a cigarette and one without him holding a cigarette. Wow. And I don't know if that's for political correctness reasons, but, you know, it is what it is. That it was an album. It was a photo of the day, and they, you walk around with a cigarette. It also had uh, Paul McCartney in bare feet, suggesting that... Yeah. Uh, and the, you might know a bit about this. Hasn't there been the, the constant rumour throughout history that Paul McCartney's dead? Yes, Every exactly. five minutes, he always dead. Uh, and that's where it started. That's where it started, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the amazing thing, there's ne- I don't think there's been e- ever so much uh, speculation... Uh, as uh, there has over this particular album cover. Uh, and uh, even people have interpreted the Volkswagen, it's, its number plate had some kind of meaning, the one that's in the background. Oh, do you know what... Uh, hang on, I'll see if I can get my, my picture back. Uh, what's the... Uh, oh, I don't know what it what's is. What's the significance? Let me see. Oh, no. No, the picture's way too small. Yeah, very and, and difficult. didn't they track down... Wasn't there a guy walking down yes, that's the street? Correct. And they, they tracked, tracked him down. Tracked yeah. him down as yeah. like... Yeah. <laughs> he said, go away. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Imagine if he was like an escaped prisoner for 20 years. There's, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> now, folks, we're going to close this now. I said I'd finish all the album covers, but we're going to do another one. We're going to have a last one uh, when we do uh, Let It Be. Uh, and in fact, uh, Magical Mystery Tour, they were the last two. Well, all of these covers have got great stories behind they them. Anyway, have. you could just do it forever. So. Oh, we go- we'll do those anyway next time. And uh, the- we're going to close now the Arty Farty Show because we've got six minutes 30 uh, of the uh, wonderful trilogy that's on the Abbey Road album um, about, um, well, which finishes with the end. So. This is the end, folks. Thanks for listening. Once there was a way to get back home. Once there was a way to get back. I will sing a lullaby
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.